If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Everyone has moments of sadness in life. They make the good times that much sweeter. But for some, there are no good times. Life is only sorrow, anxiety, and fear. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at depression. If you or someone you love are overwhelmed with sadness, learn how God can deliver you as David introduces his message, Depression, the Fear of Mental Breakdown. Well, friends, I don't know any subject that needs to be discussed more than this one because the statistics on depression, especially now in the midst of and the aftermath of COVID-19, are off the charts. And uh, you've read about them, you've seen it, maybe you've experienced it in your own life or in the life of somebody that you know or are close to. And one of the sad things for me is that a ton of Christians you and I both know think that if you're depressed, you're, you're not living in faith. And of course, that's just not true. It's possible uh, for you to be walking with the Lord and doing everything right and go through times of discouragement and depression, and we'll illustrate that today in this message. If you happen to be going through depression right now in your own life, I would just like to say a word to you. Find some help. Don't be embarrassed. Don't hide behind your Christian faith as if to announce this or admit it would be to admit that you're not what everybody thinks you should be. Before you're finished with these next two days, you're going to realize that some of the most famous people you've ever heard of went through times of depression. And uh, the only thing that hurts you from depression is if you don't seek help. I hope you will find somebody who can help. There's so many people out there available who are equipped and can help you when you go through times of depression. Friends, this is a chapter, this lesson in the book called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. And uh, for those of you who may be facing this issue with your own life or with somebody you love, uh, this chapter itself will be worth just getting the whole book because it will help you deal with this subject. Uh, If you haven't already done so, our resource for the month of March is the book Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. We'd love for you to have this book, and we just ask you to help us with the cost of airtime and production by sending a gift to Turning Point during the month of March. Whatever your gift size is, we'll send you the book. We want you to do your best because it takes all of us together doing our best to make this thing called Turning Point Radio happen. So uh, do your best, whatever that may be, but be sure and ask for your copy of the book, 
hope living fearlessly in a scary world. We have them in inventory ready to be sent to you as soon as we get your request. Well, here's part one of depression, the fear of mental breakdown. Depression is not just a state of mind or a negative view of life, but something that affects our physical being as well. It is a very difficult journey for those who have experienced it. The dictionary defines depression as low spirits, gloomy feelings, dejection, sadness, a condition marked by feelings of worthlessness, failure, and accompanying guilt. You may wonder why I would even address such a subject in church, why I would talk about something that can be so dark. Well, let me tell you for a few moments why I am doing this as I express to you the epidemic of depression in our culture today. Today, more than one out of every 20 Americans Adults are treated for depression during their lifetime. Worldwide, there are 121 million people who are suffering from depression as I speak. The use of antidepressants has soared in our nation over 400 percent since 1988, making the medication the most frequently used drug by people ages 18 to 44. According to a study by the World Health Organization and Harvard Medical School, America today may be the saddest nation in the world. The experience of depression is simply this, that depression is a human problem, a fact of life that shouldn't surprise us when we realize that we are imperfect people. We live with other imperfect people in an imperfect world. And when we open our Bibles, we discover a long line of people who struggled with depression. When Moses was leading the complaining Israelites in the desert, he cried in Numbers chapter 11, I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. God, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I have found favor in your sight. And do not let me see my wretchedness. When Elijah faced death at the hands of Jezebel, his fear led to despair as well. He prayed to the Lord that he might die. Hear your heart's words from 1 Kings 19. It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. I don't know if you've noticed the connection, but J. Oswald Sanders reminds us that Elijah and Moses were the two men who stood on Mount Transfiguration with the Lord. Both of these men broke under the strain of their ministry and prayed that they might die. David, the psalmist, sprinkles depression throughout all of his psalms. If you read them, you run into it everywhere. Here from Psalm 32 is an illustration. He says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, God. My vitality was turned into the draught of summer. People in the Bible were depressed. I remember telling you that in the Bible over 200 people are said to have been afraid and that it wasn't just the peripheral people, but it's the main people. So we've got your attention perhaps with the realization that Elijah, Moses, and David, and there are many others I haven't got time to tell you about, 
are people that we know, people that we think are the greats of the Word of God, and they suffered from depression. And it's not just the biblical heroes who have survived depression. On a notable Sunday in 1866, the famous British preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon shocked his 5,000 listeners when he got up in London's Metropolitan Tabernacle to begin a sermon which included these words, quote, My soul is cast down within me. I feel as I had rather die than live. All that God has done by me has created in me such an awful feeling and seems to be forgotten, and my spirit flags and my courage breaks down, and I need your prayers. Martin Luther, the great reformer, was subject to such fits of darkness that he would hide himself away for days, and his family would remove all dangerous implements from the house for fear he would harm himself. In the midst of one of these times, he said these words, For more than a week I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled in all my members. Christ was wholly lost. I was shaken by desperation and blasphemy of God. The expression of depression. There are many expressions in church history and in the Bible, but none are more poignant than the one recorded for us in Job chapter 3. And our biblical character today is none other than Job himself. As you know the story of Job, as the book begins, Job stands naked before his God. Anything or anyone who he might have counted on for help or encouragement has been taken from him. If you read the first two chapters, it's hard to comprehend what it must have been like a servant would come and tell him of one tragedy and before that servant could leave another servant would come and tell him of something else that he had lost and one after another job was reduced until there was nothing left his wealth was gone his health was gone his children were gone his wife has abandoned him his misery is indescribable his outlook is hopeless and while he rejects the advice of satan and his wife to curse god and die job is despairing of his life as he sits on the ash heap outside the city where he lived, we are not left to wonder what is going through his mind. Over in the 29th and 30th chapter of his book, Job is speaking of things as they used to be and as they are now. In a modern paraphrase of those words, we can get a sense of what this man was feeling. Listen to his words. In days past, God took care of me, and God's friendship was felt in my home. All of my children were around, and my life was prospering. The elders of the city honored me, and the young men stepped aside and reverenced me. Even the highest officials in the city stood in respect for me. But that was then, and this is now. The young men make fun of me. I am a joke to them. They spit in my face. They lay traps for my path. They come at me from all directions. I live in terror with no one to help. Depression haunts my days. I cry to God, but I get no answers. My voice of joy and gladness has turned to mourning. By this stage in the life of Job, it should become clear that an entirely new trial has overtaken him. The trial of depression, of deep mental and spiritual trauma. The terrible disasters that are described in the first two chapters are over. 
Job has managed to weather them with his piety intact. But now the battle has shifted from the outside of his life to the inside of his life. Now it is Job's inner life, his very soul, that is under direct attack. And in the third chapter, he cries out in three laments about what it's like to be where he is. And anyone who's ever been depressed or has known people who have been depressed and have walked through depression with them will understand completely why Job is lamenting as he is. Let's look at what he says. His first lament in verses 1 through 3, we might title it, Why Did I Arrive? He says, After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job spoke and said, May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said, A male child is conceived. Job begs that the night of his conception and the day of his birth be blotted from the calendar. These words are the words of a man who is so broken that he no longer cares what he says. Later on in his book, he said that he spoke with rashness, but he just spoke honestly. That's what he felt. He said, Lord God, why did I even have to be born? Why did I arrive? His second lament takes it to the next level. Why did I survive? Verse 11, he says, why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? Lord, if I had to be born, why couldn't I have just died at childbirth? Usually rhetorical questions have answers, but Job finds no answers to these questions. In his present state of depression, Job can find no reason for his life. He cannot understand why God would have allowed him to survive birth if all of these tragedies were going to happen to him. And then he takes it to the final question, the third lament, why am I alive? Verse 20 and 21 of the third chapter, Why is light given to him who is in misery, and life to the bitter of soul, who long for death, but it does not come, and search for it more than hidden treasures? Job's third cry is one that is very common today. Job is saying, since I had to be born and I couldn't die in childbirth, why can't I just die now? Because Job can think of no purpose for his life. Everything that brought meaning is gone, his wealth, his health, and most of all, his family. And one does not have to be a psychologist to understand why he might be depressed. Six times in these verses from the third chapter that I have read to you, Job asks the question, why? There's nothing wrong with asking why. Even the Lord Jesus on the cross asked the Father, why have you forsaken me? But if you remember the moment, you will also remember that there was no answer from heaven. There's nothing wrong with asking why, as long as you don't get the idea that God owes you an answer. <laughs> because he does not. Throughout this whole book, Job cries out to God over and over, and it's like heaven is a brass wall. Nothing happens. Not until the end when Job has endured everything that you can imagine did God finally communicate with him. And he suffered like you will not believe. Could I just pause here for a moment and say it is a wonderful gift to us 
that God has put the book of Job in the Bible because it reminds us that if we suffer, we are not the only ones. If we go through dark seasons of life, if, as St. John of the Cross said, we live the dark night of the soul, we have been preceded by others who have gone before us, and the record is here. Why would God allow this book to be in the Bible if for no other reason than to encourage us? In fact, if you think you're having a bad day, read the book of Job, and you will feel better about yourself immediately. Some of you have heard me tell the story of a card that I received when I was in the hospital recovering from cancer. Someone sent me a card, and when I Woke up in the morning, Donna brought the cards in, and right on top of the pile was this card. And in the words of this card were the words of Corinthians, where Paul was talking about all his problems. Right on the front of the card, there was nothing else written. It said, many, many times, shipwrecked, all these stripes that I've heard, beaten, cast out, all the list, all of the stuff that's in the 11th chapter. And I'm thinking to myself, Who would send somebody a card like that when you're trying to get better? I mean, I was sick, and this car was just full of all of Paul's pain. And then they opened the card. You know what it said on the inside? So how you been? (laughs) It, It was a reminder to me that what I was going through was nothing compared to what Paul went through. And when we go through depression and sorrow, we read the book of Job, and we realize that we've had some bad days, but we've never had days like Job had. Remind you now, Job was not depressed because of what had happened. He was depressed because he couldn't figure out why it happened. The reality is that godly believers sometimes get depressed. As you examine depression, you discover that sooner or later, people who know the Lord can find themselves going through a difficult moment, a down moment, a depressing moment. Depression has been called the common cold of the soul. And sooner or later, most people catch it. And God's servants, including Job and David and Moses and Elijah, they caught it. Sometimes people don't understand that. Dr. David Murray writes, but Christians don't get depressed. How many times have you thought that or said that or heard that? How many times have Christian pastors or counselors made this claim, or at least implied it? If it is true that Christians don't get depressed, it must mean that either the Christian suffering from depression is not truly depressed, or he's not truly a Christian. But if this notion is false, what extra and unnecessary pain and guilt are heaped upon already darkened minds and broken hearts? It is common for spiritually mature men and women who feel depressed to think that they are doing something wrong. After all, the Scripture is filled with words of joy and happiness, and when they aren't feeling happy, they feel they must be missing something or that God is punishing them. And John Lockley writes, Being depressed is bad enough in itself, but being a depressed Christian is worse. And being a depressed Christian in a church full of people who do not understand depression is like a little taste of hell. Now, I want to answer some questions. Why do people get depressed? I need you to understand, friends, I'm a teacher of the Word of God. I'm a pastor. I'm not here to solve all the problems people have through 
depression. I'm not an expert on depression. I am just a pastor, and I want to help you. So my counsel is going to be rather general and as much as possible based upon what I've learned from the Scripture and from life. But let me tell you why people get depressed. First of all, sometimes people get depressed for situational reasons. For situational reasons. I mean, let's face it, folks. If you were Job, would you be depressed? (laughs) I guess. I cannot tell you what an amazing experience I've had in preparation for this message. I actually, believe it or not, I've met three of the most depressed people I have ever met in my whole life. I didn't go to see them. They came to see me. When I've heard their words, for instance, I was in Oklahoma City preaching. After I got done preaching, I was walking back around the stage to go back to where Donna and our friends were at the book table, and a man was waiting there for me. I don't know how he got back there, but he grabbed hold of me and he said, I must talk with you, and he told me the story. He said, I am a bus driver here for children in Oklahoma City. And then he just began to sob. During the winter months, he was driving a bus, and he ran over a little girl who lived next door to him and was the best friend of his little girl who was the same age. He said just hours before that had happened, they'd stayed all night at my house and both had fallen asleep on my chest as I laid on the floor playing with them. And then he poured out his heart to me. What do I do, Pastor? I can't get past this. I know God loves me. I know he cares about me. I didn't do anything wrong. She should never have been where she was. It was dark. I've been totally absolved of any guilt. But he said, and then he just started to weep. Now let me ask you a question. Would you think that a person like that might have a reason to be depressed? Sometimes depression has to do with things that happen in our lives. Let's don't make it any more complicated than that usually that kind of depression will ultimately subside over a period of time, often with counseling and with prayer and scripture and love from others. And I have every reason to believe that my friend will make it through this. Sometimes depression is systemic. By that I mean it has something to do with what's going on in your system. This is often a surprise to many people. Sometimes there are systemic reasons. One of my favorite sayings goes like this. Our souls and our bodies live so close together that they catch each other's diseases. Did you know that? We all know that. How many of you know that when you don't feel good physically, it's hard to feel good spiritually? Isn't that true? And it's the other way around too. I mean, so we're a body, soul, and mind. We're not just segregated into three different parts. And let me just tell you something. There are things that can go on in the human body that can create depression. Hormonal imbalance, dietary issues. All of these things can contribute to the moods that you feel. And before you go any further, if you have these bouts in your life, check it out. Make sure there's nothing going on that could cause you to be depressed that is systemic in nature. Let me go back to my friend Charles Haddon Spurgeon. The great man himself was subject to such spiritual depression, and the main cause of it was that he suffered from gout, severe gout, that finally killed him. 
And he had to face this problem of spiritual depression often in a most acute form, a tendency that always happened when he was having a severe bout with his physical disease. And he would have to leave his church for days and months at a time in order for him to get over this. You cannot isolate the spiritual, the emotional, the intellectual from the physical. They go together. The greatest and the best Christians, when they are physically weak, are more prone to an attack of spiritual depression than at any other time. And there are great illustrations of that in the Bible and in history. Well, we're going to have to take a break for the weekend. And we'll come back with the final part of this discussion of depression, the fear of mental breakdown. Uh, We hope you'll be sure to join us then as we wrap this up. And once again, I want to remind you that all of this material is in the book, Hope Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. And this book is yours for the asking when you send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of March. That's all you have to do. Send your gift and say, please send me the book on hope, and we'll do it. Friends, as we move into the uh, weekend, I want to remind you again that Turning Point is available all across this nation on many individual channels where you live, but also on some great networks. You can find Turning Point on television this weekend on NRB TV, Inspiration TV, USA TV, Cowboy Channel, RFD, God TV, Lifetime, Newsmax, TBN, Fox Business, uh, Daystar, Trinity Broadcasting Network, Hillsong. All these stations carry us on the weekend. You can find us if you look for us. We'll see you then, and we'll see you back here on Monday. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, What Are You Afraid Of? Please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's timely and encouraging new book, Hope living fearlessly in a scary world. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, What Are You Afraid Of? Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Edmund Burke was one of England's most famous statesmen. His adult life was spent in the realm of political philosophy. So I wasn't surprised when I read these words of his. He who wrestles with us strengthens our nerves and sharpens our skill. 
Our antagonist is our helper, he said. That is a perfect practical illustration of the truth expressed in Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We need people around us who will challenge us, disagree with us, and correct us. It's one of the ways God uses to help us grow up before we grow old. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's help on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.